Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nachum Siegel Network presentation of Kosher Halftime Show 2023. Believe it or not, our 10th Kosher Halftime Show, brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm at InjuryLawyer.com. Today, our Kosher Halftime Show is a much-anticipated, long-awaited interview with Yerachmiel Begun, the founder, conductor, choreographer, arranger of the Miami Boys Choir. As many of you know, a few months ago, Miami, which has been so popular in our community for decades, they just celebrated their 45th anniversary, all of a sudden went viral on TikTok and other social media platforms. Yerachmiel has not spoken at length with any media source since that viral explosion. He reserved that for us here at the Nachum Siegel Network. So with great pleasure, I say hello and welcome to your Achmiel Begun. Achum, that is an unbelievable intro. <laughs> Thank you. But you left that one thing. And that is? Composer. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> and to you, that's probably the most important of it's all the things. It's definitely the most important part. It's definitely the most important part. I started as a composer. Right. And then I didn't know what to do with the songs. I figured once you have songs, you know, what are you going to do? So I wound up through certain people that directed me, hey, why don't you make a choir? The whole choir was only a, a, a An way. An avenue for someone to sing your song. Right, I never thought of singing myself. I was in yeshiva. Right. I was like a 17, 18-year-old boy in yeshiva. I'm not going to become a singer. So I figured, you know, what am I going to do? So somebody said, well, make a choir. And at that time was at Toronto Pirche. Right. I was in Toronto. So, you know, the composer was astonishing, but then I had to learn how to conduct the choir. And then I had to learn how to make choreography and then learn how to produce the show. So it started, first and foremost, that was the driving thing. And it's, it's funny that that's the one thing I left out when, to me, as an observer of everything you've done for four decades, that's probably the thing I understand the least. I get choreography. Mm -hmm. I get the leadership when you're on stage with the choir. But trying to fathom how one composes a song, I've never been able to figure it out. I tell you, sometimes I feel the same way. It's <laughs> called writer's block, right? <laughs> That's anti-writer's block. Writer's, writer's, oh, writer's block is when it's not coming out, right. and you say to yourself, well, it makes sense. Why, how am I able to make a song? Right. But when you don't have the writer's block, and especially when the song just comes, you know, like people say the songs are in the air and all those type of talk, sure. and, but it just came, so how did that happen? That I also don't understand. Obviously, it's the Minashamayim type of a thing. It gives certain people the ability to describe their emotions through music. Other right. people describe their emotions by making a $40 million business deal. I guess that's where they, they channel their emotions. The other guy's an artist, makes a painting. You know, it's, it's, it's just a, a matana to, if you feel a certain way, that they can make it come out in a song. And if it be an original song, even better. <laughs> Why? Did you wait till now? And believe you me, you know, because I've said it to you privately and now I'm saying it publicly, I'm honored to have this distinction. But why did you wait till now to make any public comments regarding what happened a few months ago? Well, in September, when this thing happened and the calls were coming in from all over, from the Jewish media, from the secular media. So my, my feeling was is that whatever I would say to these people, in, first of all, a lot of these interviews were either by phone or whether they're going to come down. We're going to be like a, okay, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? And I just felt whatever would be said would just not come across right. It would be like, you know, uh, they're all looking for maybe perhaps, you know, to answer one or two questions and wouldn't have the 
the, uh, the, the depth, meaning to say like this, when I'm working with you, we've done stuff together for 30 years. I mean, maybe it's more, but yeah, we started 30, 40. 40 years. When we're sitting here now, those 40 years are with us. The understanding, we've spoken about music, we spoke about these things, and we have the, the, the friendship that we developed. So I felt the comfortability from a friendship point, from a historic point, from a depth point, and, the, and I knew that the type of questions that you would ask would be appropriate. So all those things together made me feel like, let me not do any interviews, and if and when you're interested, um, I'll be more than happy to do. Well, I appreciate that. And the general media, you know, so, and, I'm, and I'm sure this is part of what you mean, they don't give you an opportunity to really explain things well. They, they, they will take sound bites that have no background and context, and that makes right. it very difficult for the viewer and listener to even understand what's going on. So right. I appreciate that you appreciate this forum. <laughs> yeah, now that was, the, that was the only way. The first time I would do an interview to talk about this had to be if, you know, with you. No, it'll be follow-ups. I don't know what will be, but right. this I felt, and this was I must have turned down, you know, between both media's in the area, the thirty to fifty interviews. I so I'm, I'm happy that you asked me to do this, and and during this um, Super Bowl time, <laughs> as, as a alternative than watching what they're doing, which is really your concept, yes. which to me is a big mitzvah that you're doing in that. Um, and this uh, year, I really hope people are taking advantage because uh, the the NFL makes some some uh, improper choices, let's yeah, put it yeah, that yeah, way, yeah, and yeah. I won't say anything yes, further. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> I, I, I think it's an unbelievable thing that you do this. Thank you. And that the world should know more about what, the, it's not just a, it's not a Super Bowl intermission show. It's an, a proper alternative Super Bowl intermission show. So I think that has, serves a great value. Appreciate that. Um, so uh, many people are familiar with the story that your son suggested to you that there is this social medium platform called TikTok, and he had a feeling, and I can only imagine if he has the same type of chush, the same type of feeling when it comes to these things like his father does. I can imagine that there was some token to it. There was some, you know, he brought a good case to the table, let's put it that way. Yeah. And he said, if we go ahead and explore this option of you know, promoting Miami and featuring some of their videos uh, on this platform, it could go somewhere, and your reaction was... Well, my, my, my son, Hananya, he had a line that he used when he mentioned it to me. I think we were sitting on these exact couches, by the way. <laughs> and, um, and we were, um, this after I had moved uh, to Jackson, you right. know, I'm a Brooklyn boy my whole life, moved to Jackson, we were a little more relaxed. Still making the adjustment. Still making the adjustments. <laughs> and he says, Tati, he says, uh, what do you think about um, this idea of putting it on the TikTok? I knew nothing what TikTok was at all. Only don't worry, the, I still don't. <laughs> right, exactly. The only social media that I knew about was Instagram. Right. And I don't really, didn't understand it. I just, we put some pictures and some, uh, I didn't understand exactly how this is working, how it's getting to people, but it's getting to people. Fine, it's getting to people, right. you know. But he's used a line of my legacy. He wanted to, the Miami, the, the, his father's legacy to be more, um, I forgot which word he used to me. More robust? Uh, uh, to be a grand or a put out there. The legacy should be, uh, that's from the point of a legacy. I don't remember the end of the did, sentence. Did he mean it generationally, that you, you should be promoted to a group that may not be as familiar it's with your funny, work? It's funny, I didn't think he meant that. I'm not sure he meant that, but I said, what's going to be the tachlis? What's right. going to be the purpose? You're going to go put on, onto wherever this TikTok thing, who's going to watch it, I said. The from people, the from people already saw it. I didn't understand where is this going to go. Right. So a bunch of from people, instead of watching it over here or watching it over there, they're going to watch it over there. So what do you do? 
No, you don't understand. It could go viral. I understand what you mean viral. What does that mean exactly? It's funny that he sensed that. No, yeah. my, my son, Hanai, is more, knows, more, knows more that world. You know, young generation right. people. So I said, you know what? You want to put a couple of these? Explain to me that they're short. They're shorter. Tension span, today's world. You know, all that those stuff. Okay, fine. You want to put it? Let's see what happens. So I think that I, I took the idea that he presented. said, you know what? You want to try it. You want to see. Fine. You know, that's basically what it. it was. You know, we're doing Miami for, uh, like you say, 45 years. Right. And, um, you know, okay, so let's go for it. Let's see what happens. You know, I, I, I believed it would just be like, you know, a couple of... Only later did I find out that there were other Jewish music singers on TikTok already. And they didn't get that many views. There was not that much views. Some of them have 8,000 on a view, 5,000 of 2,000. Nothing works. in the millions, right? Right, there was nothing there. There was some other, some other Rabbonama talking there. A lot of people, for whatever reason. Right, they, they used the platform. Right. Yeah. So I, that's what I thought would happen. And therefore, what's the tachlis? Okay, so that was my... I said, but you know what? And the, it came out that this word, the legacy, that, that word legacy, wound up really... It's very interesting. At the end, we'll talk about it. Because I think if we get to it, I think it really had um, a big... Not only an outgrowth thing to the rest of the world, but it really had an effect even on the... From community. Interesting. Uh, and, and therefore, I think he wound up in the sort of a backdoor approach, yes, affecting the Miami legacy, which we'll, we can go into. Very interesting. Um, when he went ahead and uh, uploaded, I assume, more than one video to TikTok, uh, did he give some thought? Was there a process? Which videos and why these videos? Or was it basically... Let's throw it out there and see what happens. I don't know. He, he had his machshava of the ones that he felt were right, and he put his comments on. He knew how to put these comments, right. you know. And, and uh, I gave him all the Miami videos. There's like 20 full-length Miami right. videos, concert videos. I said, That's hours and hours of videos. Right. I said, here it is. Do what you want. Right. You know, you know. And he went, he started to pick certain things originally, and it, it, it was interesting what he picked. I, I watched it. I didn't know how to get to it, so he explained it. <laughs> right. You know, get to it and get the app and the thing, and I didn't know what was going on. And then, and then the first one got like 3,000 and 4,000 and 5,000. And I, I, I couldn't even understand those numbers, by the way. What 5,000? How did 5,000 people find out about it so fast? Right. Yeah, I couldn't understand this so fast. You were starting to understand what viral meant. <laughs> yeah, well, what do you mean? What, what do you mean five thousand? I mean, right. our market got to put it in the Jewish press, <laughs> right. got to go on the Nachum Siegel show, and then we could talk about maybe five. I hope 000. that maybe you'll reach five thousand people. I don't understand. What do you mean five thousand? So, but I figured, okay, there's some from people there. I don't know. They spoke to each other, <laughs> and they found out. You know, so I couldn't understand what that. And then the number, they put another one and it increased a little bit, got to 30,000, 40,000. So that's how it's not. Why do you think the Yerushalayim one, which I have to assume as a casual observer is the most popular one, why do you think that one was the one that went viral? I, I mean, that's the, 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 like they say, the $6 million question. Right. Why that song? I know that the ones he did before that I thought were pretty good videos. You know, it was pretty good. And then there was this video and another one and another one. I think it was like, this must have been like the 15th one. Wow. I think so. And, and the numbers were going up on the other ones. They weren't going into the millions. Right. They were like 100,000, 200,000. this one right. made a Roshem. So I think, I think why it had a Roshem, and again, this is only my theory of the immediate Roshem. In other words, not, we're not going into the idea of why 
this Jewish music video would have affected people worldwide. That's a, you asked a question about the specific Or for video. months. Yeah, why was it this right. one that So I think this video, he picked something which had four soloists. Start with four soloists. And I think that the, that the world as a whole can identify with individuals more than a choir. Ah, two Abramowitzes, a Hershkowitz, and a Bender. Right, and right. they were close-ups. Right. So all the other ones were a little bit from a distance, a choir, and this type of thing. Very nice, sounds good. And he suddenly did something with real uptight, close thing. And people are into the individual. Sure. Even in the Jewish music world, right. we have so many singers. People identify with the singers. Identifying with a choir is not as, sure. not as easy. Because who are you really following? Am I following the choir? You know, the younger, the kids, they're not following me. They're following the choir. Right. So there is the a, a, a social media thing and the viral and the following you know, this guy's eating lunch and he's, he's, eating, <laughs> right. he's, he's eating lunch on his Instagram and he's walking to shul and he's coming back. And this is all following the person, but you're following the choir. And I've never over the years really featured the kids. Right. Something that we've discussed right. many, this, many times. Right. What Which, would happen if someone approached a member of the Miami Boys Choir and asked for an autograph? Right. And my policy throughout the years is Absolutely there's not. no autographs. Right. And there's that, that's there's not, no I in team. There's we no, are a team. Well, also for my hashkafah and what's proper, and I don't think that Correct. kids have to see themselves as part of that, right. not as individuals, and start to get to their head. And too By the much. way, autographs is yesterday's selfie for those watching who may not know. Right, what an <laughs> autograph is. Right, right, exactly. So that type of thing was always general policy, right. and, and fine, and that led itself to a certain divider from what's improper and all that. So I, I think that the, the, the idea of, you know, that, that they were individual for kids. I think that when it came out to the Velt, and it came out to the non-Firma people and into the, uh, the non-Jewish, non that was the impact of that video. And he wrote right. some very smart lines on top, the right. four solos. And the way that was video and the song started with that, that I think had a high impact. And then, of course, they sang great. Right. But I think that was, I think might have been it. How ironic, and maybe that's the wrong word, that... Yerushalayim ends up being the theme of what goes viral. Because you have to admit, if there's something that we want the world to recognize and yeah. pay attention to and right. celebrate, right. one of the concepts or you know, one of those things is going to be Jerusalem. Yeah, well, there's a Pasuk in Tehillim called Yeshev Bashamayim Yisrak. In the beginning of Tehillim, it says Hashem sits in Shemayim and Yisrak, he smiles or he, right. he, he laughs. This, I think, falls into he the He gets a kick out of it. Something of that sort. <laughs> I think the Befrat should go a little bit different from Shatim, but Yeshev Bashemayim Yitzchak. I think this is definitely Yeshev Bashemayim Yitzchak. You have people who never heard the word Yerushalayim singing Yerushalayim. Right. The fact is, the first million people right. or started to go viral, and it went viral very close to Rosh Hashanah, and it was a million a day at that time. I don't even think anybody knew what it was <laughs> right. from out in the world. Correct. And then some people started to say, what does this mean? What does right. this mean? People started to translate and all that. And eventually, I, I saw the Ben Shapiro put out a video, right. and he said, oh, this is how ironic this is, mm -hmm. you know. But I, I think that it was something that uh, when Akash Baruch Hu decided to, like I said at the Hask show, press the button and decided to make this happen, because it wasn't any of my effort. I did nothing, as the story is clear. Um, I think that by this song became the thing that was like obviously it's it's a message for the world if they want to know what it means right 
Right. And uh, he said it very smartly, Ben Shapiro. He said, not only is it a, a message that uh, about Yerushalayim and, and that Hashem surrounds the world, but it sounds just surrounds Yerushalayim, but all that there is a Hashem in the world, and all these multiple messages are in this sentence, but yet it didn't really offend pretty much 99% of the comments right. were all positive. Right. And more than that, pro-Jewish right. and pro-this. And very heavy statements. So I think that the fact that it was Yushalayim, if the song would have been about something else, I right. think it sort of caused this multi-dimensional thing, and that became an unbelievable fact that, that the song was about Yushalayim. More with your Achmiel begun coming up after this commercial break. Keep it here at the Kosher Halftime Show. We're here in Piemonte. This is the area where all the truffles come, the black truffle, the white truffle. Take the dogs and we go inside. Let's go. Now, you and I have had only one conversation on this topic since Rosh Hashanah. Um, in fact, if I knew this was going to happen back then, I wouldn't have had any conversations. Well, I can't remember anything. So, uh, so <laughs> we had one I, conversation yeah. on the phone where I called you and basically as a friend said, right. you know, just tell me what you're going through with this whole thing. Right, you know? right, right, right. And um, in that conversation, you and I, from different avenues, we sit in different places in the Jewish music world, right. basically came to the same conclusion. And that conclusion was, you know, the question is, Yerachmiel, Nachum, why is this going viral? What's going on? And the answer we came up with was that there are people out there thirsting for meaning and thirsting for appropriate, funny we say this during the kosher halftime show, thirsting for appropriate entertainment and appropriate atmosphere. And there's no doubt in my mind, and I'm sure you feel the same way, that even a simple Hamish, well-produced, Jewish music video can bring people into that type of atmosphere and feel like, hey, there's something good about this. There's something really nice and pleasant about it. Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, I think that we touched upon, I'll say it if you don't feel comfortable sure. saying it, is that, listen, the world, the way it's developed over the last, you know, 30 to 40 years and more godless and less spirituality and more focus on secularism and all this type of thing and anything goes in life and all these type of things, that all, this song came along and reached these millions of people that are not part of the firm world. And these people are, are touched by this and they're being, they don't even know why they're touched by okay. it. That was the question. The question is, what is it in this music that's touching them and that's filling something spiritually and they decided to make videos of it and to comment on the... Imitating. Uh, uh, imitating this. But, but the bottom line is, the general comments through were, this is doing something for me. This is doing something for me by, by everybody. And I want to be Jewish because of this. And thousands and thousands of such comments. And people who are not Jewish, people who are Jewish, say now they want to go to Minyan, and people didn't put on the film. Say, well, right. right. Those How, comments are what amazing. Is the, what is the pshat? What did, right. Why did this happen? What was this music touching them? And to me, it was sort of like, this is what we spoke about, but it was that there is a, a spirituality in the music based on my Torah upbringing, my, my, my Torah upbringing, but my music is a contemporary blend of that, but it still has a, 
um, you know, I'm from the yeshiva world, so it has a Torah dika, um, neshama dika feel where it comes into it, and that is what they're feeling. That's what they're hearing, but they never heard anything like that. Think about it, that before this, these millions of people, which now that one video is 12 million, and the amount of videos that are now have been seen through the TikTok uh, universe mm -hmm. that are have a hashtag of Miami Boys Square is now up to 261 million. Unbelievable. It's, you look under, you can see it when you go search under Miami Boys Square, and it, it gives you a choice. And one is called hashtag. You hit the hashtag, and it says now it's up to 260. When the first started, it was 100 million. Now it's 261 million. Now, Views, 261 views of Miami Boys Choir videos. Not only this video, other videos. What is it? Why are they watching this? If, if anything, they should say, oh, this is not for me. This is not for me. They got all this other... The answer has to be that it's touched a nerve, it's touched a spiritual nerve, and something in them that's had that effect. There's, There's a no wholesomeness one, uh, there that they are gravitating to, right, even right. if they don't realize that they're gravitating right, to. Right, right. It's good melody, well-performed, professional impressing people about the Jewish people, which is wild, and comments over there which are have shocked me about, you know, uh, well, if this would have come out under Nazi Germany, there must be hundreds, thousands, then that never would have happened. Right. I mean, what is, what, why, what is this about? What would make someone say that? It's right. so, it's touching them in a way and impressing them, which we took for granted, because right. we have this for 45 years in our field. Mm -hmm. So that alone should be a lot for thought. Is it a good song? Is Yerushalayim a good song? Where does it rank in your Achmiel Begun's uh, hundreds and hundreds of songs, maybe well, thousands at this point? I have point. to be honest, it's a lot better than it was. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, and you know right. that I'm very honest with you, right. it's not your best song. No, it's not. It's not. In fact, I would put it as, you know, got yeah. a nice intro. Yeah. Has a great hook, as the as the kids would say. Right, It is um, a, a shocking thing that a song that was a secondary song at right. that time. Right. Uh, you had Yavo, and you had uh, Galay, and you had uh, about that time, two thousand and eight, and Mashiach. Just at that, but I'm not talking about songs. It's from, actually on the Mashiach album, right? Right. Uh, well, the Mashiach album. Then you have the Yavo album. Right. And, and the other video, I mean, you know, we, we, when we talk about Miami songs, people talk, oh, the great Miami songs, right. Sunshine and Bisiata Deshmaya right. and Meheira and, you know, whatever other songs. So it is surprising. So if you're talking about the ranking of, let's say, 400 songs that I made on albums. It ain't going to be near the top. It's going to be, uh, now, I mean, now. It's it somewhere in there. <laughs> but it would have been somewhere around maybe uh, 150, 200. Right, exactly. So, so it is, uh, so it is unbelievable that that song, and then other songs, which have now gone on to and spread out there, right. have not gotten the 12 right. million. They've gotten some have gotten 2 million, 1 million, 600,000, which is also viral, but nothing has gotten that amount. So that alone is, you know, needs, needs to be uh, understood. But it's funny that Yerushalayim is from the Mashiach album because the Mashiach album is not your conventional Miami album. I did a little right. bit of research. Right, you're 100% right. And there's uh, some guest stars on yes. a studio album, which is really unusual yes. for, for what yes. Miami was doing all those years. Yes. And there were medleys of songs that were not Yerachmiel Begun songs, which is also very unusual. 
So isn't it funny that that so, song is representing Miami to the world, and it's really from a source that's so different from your usual so work? That's a very interesting point. In fact, I also will, will tell you something. That when did I compose this song? When was Yishalayim composed? And I'll be able to answer that now. What happened was, is that in 2005, we put out the Revach album. Right. And every once in a while, we put out interim albums. Put our greatest hits, we do other type of things. Hanukkah. We, well, the Hanukkah wound up being, you know, really unbelievable album. Right. But then the next album was Yavo in 2008. Now, now in 2006 or 2007, I was invited to come with the choir before Purim to Eretz Yisrael to do a show there in uh, Yadalio. And it was a Chabad, Chabad show. So I figured, okay, if I'm doing a Chabad show, I, I need a Mashiach song. <laughs> right. And they wanted to fly out, and we could do like, I don't know, 40 minutes on the show. It was in Yadalio. And it was like flying in and out in two days because the kids had school and Purim before Purim. So we took the show, and I went out there with only with soloists, like with, um, I think, seven or eight kids. And it was the first time I had gone out with seven or eight kids to do a concert. As opposed to a full choir. Right. We had at that time uh, you know, much, many more kids. Right. So I said, you know what? Let me try. I'll go with seven, eight kids, which means each kid will have his own microphone. The whole idea of every kid having his own microphone really visually only started on the Yavoy album. Right. All the previous videos, they're, they're standing by. I remember the first night you did it in Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. So Yavoy was the first one that everybody had their own microphone. Where did that come from? Um, the idea of having the own microphone was an idea I had for years before, but I practically, uh, there was a problem with the technology, everybody having their own microphone, but eventually they got better. So we went to do the Eretz Yisrael show at the, at the uh, Chabad show in Yad and made this Mashiach song, got it arranged, had it, taught it to the kids, and that's how the Mashiach song was made. Went to Yerushalayim, went to, went to Tel Aviv, and I was there for a couple of days. I was in Yerushalayim for a day or two. That's when I made the Yerushalayim song. That Yerushalayim song was made at that time when I went to Eretz Yisrael, either on the, when I went to Yerushalayim or on the plane, whatever made the Yerushalayim song. So I, had, I didn't sing it at the concert. So when I came back, and, I, and, and, the, and the Mashiach song went, they went crazy of the song. It was like a wild, wild song. It is scene. a good song. And we did it at that show. At, at that show. We did it twice. Once, but when they were at twelve o'clock, they were closing the lights. We did a second time, one earlier, and then I came back. And I said, you know what? I got to put out the song. And then I had a Pesach concert with other singers and other things. And I figured, you know what? I have this thing. I have some other singers, some other stuff. I have the Mashiach song. I have the Yisrael song, and I'll put this album out. And that came out the Mashiach album that came out. I had a different version of Yisrael. Had Yoshi Bender singing a Chazanisha part in the beginning. And that's how the Mashiach album came out in 2007. A year later, we put out the Yavoy album, which had all those other songs. And Yushalayim was not on that album. Right. And we did the video right. of that concert. And then we did Yushalayim. During that event. And we did Mashiach on that Yavo thing. And that's how <laughs> that answers the. Uh, how it's that funny because it's, sort of, it's sort of that that Yushalayim song was created by accident when you think about it. Yeah, pretty you know, much. Or, 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 or wasn't planned, at least. No. Um, so I'm sure plenty of people are curious. Um, obviously, for the last 45 years, uh, you've always had a plan going forward with Miami. Uh, you and I have always discussed how in both of our industries, we've adjusted really well, thank God, every time we get into a new era, so to speak. And there have been a lot of eras in our, in our careers at this point. Um, 
does this change your plan now that this viral sensation has occurred? Is is your uh, I don't know your your calendar of, of future projects or in general your attitude toward future projects any different than when you started twenty twenty three? Well, that's a great great point. Um, I think it's split into two parts. One is you know promoting the Miami music to the world. That's through obviously through social media and continue to do that. Old videos, new videos of the choir, a new song or whatever. So that's like part one part. The second part is to our regular firm world, to our world that we've been working for 45 years. Now, this whole thing had an effect on the firm world. Right. Because the firm world now said, oh, wow, what happened in Miami? Of course, we've been following Miami. But so a lot of people in the firm world took a second look at Miami, mm -hmm. which they had not maybe looked at for a while. Right. Some people had, right? All these, you know, and they start to hear these songs. A lot of the people that didn't even know a lot of the songs from Yovo, who didn't even know those things, the stuff that was being viral. And suddenly they would say, wow, these songs, you know, and then people started to listen on the, the Spotify and all these things. So the firm world started to give a, a, a stronger re-listen. Got tons of emails and letters from people from people as well as none, but saying, you know, I really didn't appreciate till now, and now I appreciate what you, the songs are, and and, and, this, and, and the kochos, and the spirituality, and the shaman, and where was this person the last 20, 50 years? <laughs> right. Where was this person? They went elsewhere. Right. All, they went elsewhere. All of a sudden, uh, you know, NBC News is appreciating you. They've, right. they've right. turned more attention to and you. And this lent itself to reevaluating I had a, all my new songs all set at the end of the summer, all recorded. For an album that would for, likely be for, released when? Which was going to be released the latest before Pesach. Now, in the next few weeks. That was the original plan. Maybe even earlier. It might have been in Hanukkah. But when this happened in September and this whole fallout, my feeling was, one second, you know, is now the time to be releasing a new album in the middle of this? To me, it's just like, I have a new album. I have a new album. Yeah. All these songs are now almost... All the old albums are new albums. This became new. Right. So it seemed to be almost like would be the wrong time. So what is your timetable now? So now... Because when I was last visiting right, with you, right. you were alluding to the possibility of it being out before Purim. Is that now not going to happen? I think that I became very busy with this. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I didn't compose any more songs. Because I'm very happy with the songs that were there. I'm really, really happy with these 10, 12 songs that I have. It wasn't like, oh, I have all this extra time now. I'm going to compose new songs. No, I, I really, I really like the songs. And we did them in concert. We did four or five songs right. in concert. And well received. And, but I didn't give to the audience the real Kanaka Dika songs. I didn't right. even give that out. And the songs were well received. And, um, you know, right now... You know, I can't say that it's something that I would I would be able to put out now. Earliest Logbomer, it sounds like. Earliest. Um, I think that right now I have to let this new album ride. You know, we have a new album right now. There's a feeling of this. I might put out a single. Right. I might put out a single in the middle now. Maybe before Purim. Maybe before... A, a new custom that's developed that we never had years Right, ago, the singles right? world. Right. right, which I don't totally understand it right. either, but that's the world we're in. Sure. Um, and the, uh, so, so and we have to see 
Exactly. Uh, in the meantime, while the, all this happened, new boys entered the choir. Right. And, and the lo- popularity of the choir, yes. I have to assume, so, e- among those kids who want to be in it is, right. uh, is much And I greater. recorded the choir before the summer on, their, on the songs. Right. So now it becomes the question of a lot of new, and the choir, there's a lot of new kids now. Do I want to include them in the recording right. advance? So it's a little bit of a, a sp- modification. You spoke about this new popularity, which I certainly appreciate. Um, were, were you on stage between September and now at events that you probably would not have been on stage for if not for this viral sensation? Well, there's no question that the calls coming in high volume. They want Miami. Right, and uh, not only from the from world, but from the um, less from world, or the uh, whatever the modern right. orthodox to the non to, to the federation, and on and on and on, and calls that I don't think anybody ever got to, to perform. Unfortunately, a lot of those shows we're talking about, let's say forty to fifty calls for shows, but a lot of these shows I can't go with the kids; they're right. in school, right. so I can't just run off in the middle of the week or go here. I can't do it. So it's very, very few times and slots that we can go run around out of town. I can't just run off to Portugal and do a show. I mean, how am I going to do that? Yeah, it was during the summer, but it's not really possible to do a lot of these shows. So there were a lot, a lot of calls, and a lot of these calls, uh, I told them it just was not possible. Maybe another time, maybe another thing. Right. So there were a lot, but there are a lot of shows, and even the shows that we did do, and have been quite busy uh, since then with shows, Picked out the ones that make sense. Well, I was in L.A. They were talking about your performance. I was on stage with you at Hask. They got a tremendous right. reception. Right. I mean, uh, right. You know, There's you... been... Uh, and the, the receptions are... Have been pretty strong right. and sometimes pretty Even wild. stronger than usual. Because you have to admit, the right. reception's always been strong for Miami, but yeah, even well, stronger you know, than usual. When you had a reception like, you know, uh, you know, when I first brought out Adon Alum and right. Matov and Revach and the crowds were wild, you know. But it's a different type of... Wild, a different type of level. Almost the difference here, it's unbelievable. How many shows did we do songs? We had these big hits and ended with the big hits, ended with the Revach, ended with the Don Alum. <sighs> that the crowd was wild, right? But here, there was an element mixed into this. Few elements, but one of the elements was the life of the crowd was almost like with a pride, a certain pride right. that. This music has become worldwide, but it's really our music, you know, from the from mm-hmm. world. So it's like a pride that the, the crowd has a pride in it, and almost like a like a almost like a um, a spiritual. There's a word for it. I forgot the word. It's almost like you know where everybody's like an epiphany, a, a, right? And that together with that, wow! But I could see it in the eyes of the people. I could see in the thing. There's like the like a happiness of this thing that they know it's out there, we're doing it here. So it's different than, you know, okay, a big hit song from the past. Right. And again, you know, we do a show now, we save Yerushalayim for the end. Right. But right. So, which is <laughs> it's this, become the encore. <laughs> right, right. That's part of the new album. <laughs> there you go. Uh, a few moments ago, we mentioned that you were at the Haas concert with, uh, with the Miami Boys Choir just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we actually have footage from that event. Take a look at this.
So uh, there's some curiosities that people have. I know as an insider that you are, and we discussed this earlier with some of the policies of the choir, I know that you're you know, very careful about the image of the choir, to say the least, and rightfully so. Um, how did you think the four soloists from yesteryear handled the entire situation? Some of them decided to, to do low-key, to be low-key. <clears throat> and it depends on what they are, where they are in life. You know, are they in yeshiva? Are they not in yeshiva? Are they are being a businessman already? You know, these soloists since 2008, so now it's 14 years later. So if at that time they were 12 or 13, right. you're talking about 26. Well, if somebody's already out there in the world and what his background was also, you know, what kind of background he had. So, but as a whole, I would, I would say they've been respectful. They've they spoken with people. They've got called by newspapers and by this and that. They've spoken res respectfully about about it, and uh, I think they've handled it pretty good. Um, I uh, you know I, I'm I I do like that the music should speak for itself. I'm a big believer in that. You know you, you know like okay, and that's part of the reason why I didn't do an interview. Let the music speak. Let right. the music speak. Let it be. Let it be. You know. Give it a chance uh, to breathe. Yeah, you gotta go right away. Well, I was this and I was that and I was. I, I, yeah, let it be. Now we're sitting here in January with a perspective from September, October, November, December for five months. It's a different feel, different perspective. Not like so. I, 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 am a big believer. In let it be. Let the music happen. So, um, so I think they did okay. Yeah, it sounds like generally. You I felt they, they, they think, acted like Miami people. I, I think so, to a degree. They have that training <laughs> right. to know what to say and what not to say. Because right, Miami is not just being trained in music or in harmonies or in right. how to grab a microphone to be a soloist. Right. There, there are other components to it as well. And right. part of it is the, the image that they project. And right. you've made that right. obvious over right. the years. I mean, part of what we've spoken about many times is right. the, is the uh, I'm, to, be, to be mature, to know what to say, how to be, take... Uh, take ownership of your responsibilities, what right. to do, and to be more self-aware. And all those things come to, besides the vocal right. training and the musical training, you, that's part of it. You ask any producer, and they'll tell you the key to success is great songs. Right? That's what it comes down to. Uh, all the other stuff is, you know, nice add-ons. Um, is that the success of Miami? Is the majority of the success of Miami because, hey, the bottom line is that from the beginning, they've just been great songs? Well, my father, Oliver Shalom, would definitely say yes. My father was a very big believer in it's all about the songs. Now, there are stories of great songs that have been sung by certain artists that were not so good that didn't make it until it was re-sung by a different artist. Right. So um, I think that the Miami's foundation are the great songs. That, and then that I was, that I was Mazocha to write. But then making a great singer on top of it. I look at Miami as a singer. Right. It's an entity and of a singer. The singers, the choir, the harmonies, this. Forget about the choreography, forget about the stage. Training them for real, singing live in concert. How to sing, how to breathe, how to this, how to sound like a mature. I think that the combination is really where it came across that takes it over level. If you have the great song, but it's not gonna, it's just not going to make it unless it sounds, you know, an A1 thing. So I, I think that the foundation is definitely the songs. There's no question about that. With that in mind, before 
the Bisiata de Shmaya album came out, there were a lot of great songs that you were responsible for, both Miami and you know, through other venues. But it seems to me that that album, all the way back in 1984, is now viewed as a landmark, revolutionary album. The number of great songs on it, the variety, the incredible potpourri, if you will, of both fast and slow songs, so many of them that mean so much to the, to the Jewish world. All these years later, discovered by youngsters who, you know, <laughs> who were not even a thought when this album came out. Is, is it, is, looking back historically, was that album as vital as I'm portraying it? Or Miami would be where they are right now, even without a landmark uh, musical event of that era? I believe that that album was a change in music meaning it was a yeshivish sound with a contemporary sound with great songs, simple arrangements, and very nice singing. That contemporary yeshivish sound with my sound was something that, the, believe it or not, had not been there before 1984. If you look back before 1984, Shlomo Kabach sounds, and Shlomo Kabach was doing more of a European Sound. I mean, he's not a contemporary up sound. It was not Shlomo Kappa. Great songs, fantastic songs. Very heartfelt. And easy to sing. And easy to sing, but it's a completely different world. Yigal Salik from London School of Jewish Song had or a European feel also. A little more sadder, some of the songs. Some were up, Koamar. But as a whole, it was more of a the strain. wasn't this up contemporary yeshivish thing that people could... And Mordechai B'Devi was doing a Hasidic band or whatever he was doing. So when this came along, and the early Miami albums wasn't that. The right. early Miami albums was something else. Right. This came because with this blend, I think that blend and those songs was the tremendous Chiddush. Now, what I'm trying to say is like this. There are some people that say those were the best songs, and that's it. Whatever I've done for the last <laughs> 30, 40 years, oh, it was very nice now. But I don't believe that way. I believe that that was such a chiddush and such a breakthrough and so different that it took its place. But when you go back and look at those songs, some great songs there, yeah. but there's some great songs later too. Sure. But it was such an um, important album and such a breakthrough album that it had such a high impact. Now, again, some people might disagree. They'll say, wow, there's nothing like Kiatahu and there's nothing like... Uh, 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 right. But I would turn around and say, one second, how about Animamin? How about when? How about Sunshine? How about right. this? How about. How oh, about, the how, list is endless. How about Atov and Refain? Sure. That keep going. So what, what, so, what does that mean? But the impact of that album was from the chiddush of it, from the freshness of it, from the breakthrough of it, to the degree that I was told by somebody, maybe you, <laughs> that when that album came out, you were in YU right. as a uh, disc jockey and you played the whole album straight. Or right. was that on. Your regular radio station. I'm not sure. No, where it was you probably were. a boy. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then you played the whole yeah. album straight. Now, nothing to take away from every song on that album. There's some songs in that album which are okay. Not every song is fantastic. But, but it, it was, was an unusual practice. <laughs> right, right, right. That's what I believe what that album did. And then I continued that tradition and just, you know, composed differently or whatever. But the Shorish was the same Shorish moving forward. My conversation with Yerachmiel Begun continues after these messages. Keep it here at the Kosher Halftime Show.
Is your composing any different now after this whole uh, viral video sensation? Do you feel a responsibility? You know what? Uh, and by the way, we discussed this a drop when Hanukkah came out, when your Hanukkah album came out. Because you viewed that as, you know what? There are people who may not be strictly in the from world who may pick up this album or may be attracted to it because of its theme. After all, it's Hanukkah. Do you feel a responsibility when you sit at the piano now and start composing? You know what? I really should compose something that will have a mass appeal, not, not for commercial purposes, but a mass appeal just to get more and more people into this genre, get, let them appreciate our tradition even more. To be straight about that question, that's a great question, is that, like I was telling you, Mr. Shem, the new album will come out right. and those songs are finished. Right. But it was hit, it was, uh, there was a certain call that came in, I don't want to mention yet, that to do it, to perform at a certain event. And this event is like a tremendous Jewish event, um, big. Whether I'm going to wind up singing there or not, I do not know. And the person was calling me, trying to convince me to take this job, to bring the kids, and was talking about what they do. And I said, well, I'm like a big care of event, but very... And when I got off the phone, my feeling was, you know what, if I wind up doing this event, I want to make a song for this event specifically mm. that has this sort of, you know, has something that these people... A message. It's really an event with 20,000 people. I mean, we'll see whether we wind up doing it. Will, will be like something that they'll be able to identify with, with an English. It will be an English and certain type of thing. So I am thinking a little bit about making something that could sort of... But it would be something that the firm world could also... Yeah, of course. Uh, but it has greater mass appeal. But it has a greater mass appeal. I am thinking yeah. about that. I do have a certain idea in mind. I think an important idea. I didn't make the song yet. <laughs> but in my mind, I hear it. I didn't have time to sit down and make it. I did sing it once a little bit to myself, but I didn't record it. But I, I think I know. But I think, yes, there's muckum for that. But i got to be careful with that, that it still has to have the authenticity. Right. It has to have the authenticity and the spirituality. You've got to be careful if you start to compose for that world. Right. But I, I, I can't... It may I, lose some of its flavor. Right. You've got to be careful and get that, that, that balance. Right. Uh, there are some amazing Jewish music stars on the scene today who are Miami alumni. And you must take great pride in that, I can only imagine. They, they learned a lot of their stage presence from you. In fact, I think you and I once had a conversation, um, I think this was an on-the-air conversation, where you said to me, when I was comparing one performer to another, you said, yeah, obviously he's better on stage. He did 200 weddings before he was ever on stage. The other guy never did weddings. And, you, and of course, that was a big lesson to me about what experience is all about, 10,000 hours, et cetera, et cetera. Do you get the same type of nachas from composers who are Miami alumni? Um, I tell you, beyond, I don't know that many composers. Well, there are a couple that a are pretty few, well known. A lot of singers. Right, but I'm saying in the composing realm, right, there are a couple right. out there. Um, I, think when, I think the answer to that question, if, if you don't mind, I will sort of make a Hosefa add-on to regard to the singers or the composer who are Miami. Mm -hmm. If they are going in a proper way, and the type of singing or the type of songs is a, a spiritual way, a Torah way, a proper way, uh, not in a suggestive way, but in a proper way, then I'm proud of it. If it's not going to be that, then 
I feel like, you know, they went off. They, they have the skills. If it fits the Miami rubric, you're happy about it. I'm happy about there it. There are composers out there that I think right. you'd agree right. have followed that. Yes, there are there are a few right. that compose and a few right. So I'm 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 I love that and I love to keep a connection with them and they keep connection with me. So but when they're going off and they're like I call uh, selling their souls a little bit for what they think the world wants and it's going away from the icker of what Miami is, what, what I meant to do and to bring it these 45 years to the, to the firm world and now more, if they stay within that, then I'm very proud of it. Nice. Um, people are curious about family members. Uh, there are people in the world of Jewish music, entertainment, etc., cetera, um, who have children that you know, can, do, can do and often do similar things. Um, it's, it's well known to this point that you know you have some children that are certainly dabbling, if not completely, in this arena. What do you think? Well, they get all the talent from their mother. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, those who know your wife would agree with you. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, you know, I don't know where the talent comes from. You know, I, I probably my genetic thing is you know, a, little a little bit, a little bit. But I like to say that that you know, from my side, it's all from my father. I like to give my father the credit. Who was very familiar with the world of entertainment and right, presentation, right, right? Right. My father had a tremendous feeling of uh, my and father, a history. He was my right. My father was nifter before COVID, right. before COVID, which everything is a blessing, right? right. It, it was going to happen. But the bottom line is that um, I give him tremendous uh, credit. But but and uh, his understanding of music and what makes the hit song and understanding of performance. I mean, he gave over to me tremendous and understanding of life. And um, so I, I feel that the kids were Yorish sort of from both sides. You know, even my wife's father, a Baron Rosh Hashiva, he was a Rosh Hashiva in Montreal, but he was a very worldly person, talented person. He, he sang. He loved music. Like, I just felt that they got this normal yeshivish contemporary combination right. it came from both sides and my kids today have okay they're doing their own blend they're doing their own way right. it's hananya and eliezer and my daughter rahami and now she got married recently so now her husband calls her rahama uh, but uh, you know, i'm still rahami but the point is they all are doing recordings and stuff they put out songs and my daughter now has a choir of her own high school choir called regesh and Eliezer puts out songs. They just recently put out a very, very nice song. So, uh, Which Hanania, we've been playing on Jam and the AM. Yeah, really? Okay, that's good. And then and then Hanania has his YTI right. that he does. So they're all doing their thing. Um, and I, I believe that, uh, you know, it's in there. Our kolchas are in there, and they just bring it out in their way. Finally, we mentioned earlier uh, that as uh, much as you're a Brooklyn boy, you now find yourself in the Lakewood area. Jackson. With Jackson. Yeah, Jackson. I know the difference, right? Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's no, very sensitive, right? Jackson. <laughs> so with that in mind, is it possible that there'll be a lot more choir members from this area of New Jersey? That's a great point. But the question is, where is the choir rehearsal going to take place? If the choir rehearsal takes place in Brooklyn like it's been, right. and the boys come from the Arba Confluence, New York, New Jersey, they come from Long Island, New Jersey. So that's Which a still goes on. Which still goes on. Or they, the choir rehearsal is going to be somewhere in New Jersey here, and then the Brooklyn boys all go, and that whole world's going to have to come out to Jersey. Right. So that you have an hour and twenty minutes, hour and a half issue here. So um, I don't think that the Lakewood world, when I say Lakewood, I mean Lakewood Times River Jacksons, right. is yet developed like the Brooklyn, Long Island, New Jersey, other side of the world is. 
when I say developed, I mean, you know, people are living here a lot of years, but the rush of people that have come here now is really in the last five to 10 years. Right. You know, now it's unbelievable with the housing and everything. So I, I'm not sure, I've, I've auditioned kids here and I found Yechidim, but it just seems to me like it might be a little early for me to find myself over here, 30 boys that, you know, when a boy comes to try out to audition, I always say that, the, that where did he get this kochas from? So it comes from whatever, his parents or whatever. The parents have a certain, uh, their experiences of life and their depth, and that's in their genetic, their kid's genetics. And it's not just the kid, it's, it's the whole thing. Grandparents, and a lot of times, you know, the kids will say, you know, oh, my grandfather was a chazan, this was a chazan. And over here, it just feels early. It just feels a little early. I don't yet sense that, um, I don't sense that development yet. Interesting. And um, my feeling is that it will be Mr. Shem in time. It might be very, very soon. I did start doing some auditions here. And I did find some great kids. And some kids are, are traveling into Brooklyn. <laughs> which is quite, and they've asked me to drive him in. <laughs> oh, is that funny? <laughs> and drive him back, you know, so I became like a, a ride. You're but, a but which is okay, you know, uh, to some degree, even though, you know. You're Achmiel, when you moved here to Jackson, New Jersey, and you started to uh, gather up some of the old material, did you find any videos that you want to share with the public? I certainly did. In fact, getting that all together and getting all that stuff together, I have an example of something back from 1998, from the Simcha song. That album never came out in video. We did something called the Simcha Tour, and there's a song on the album called Tila Sashem, and we never been seen before, and it's amazing to see. It was done really with only one or two cameras. We call it from the vault. I love it. Let's take a look at that one.
Yerachmiel Begun, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, I hope you're satisfied that you had an opportunity to really, in an in-depth manner, explain to everybody what uh, the last few months have been like. It was one of the only times in my life that I could say that it was what I expected but exceeded expectations. Appreciate that very you know, much. You know, it was, uh, my gut was to do this interview with you, and uh, it was, not only was it correct, but by a lot more was it correct. Because, um, you know, it's just, as all the reasons I said in the beginning, those were all there. Appreciate and I'm, I'm happy that you asked uh, to come together over here and that I could share with the, with the world um, my feelings on this, on, on the whole situation. And uh, I want to thank you a lot for that. And thank you and continued Hatzlacha. And we have, we have no reason not to expect even bigger and better things from your Achmiel Begad and the Miami Boys Choir. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks. Uh, a big thank you to all of you for tuning in. Kosher Halftime Show 2023 brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm at InjuryLawyer.com. A big thank you to the Rothenbergs. A big thank you to all of our sponsors. And a big thank you to all of you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Nachum Siegel Network.